Thank you, praise team. Isn't it nice to sing the old traditional hymns? It just kind of, there's something about Christmas with those old hymns. I think there's something in us that yearns for Christmas past, the traditions. And I think about all the traditions that we have in England that are different. We have a thing called Christmas crackers. And um, you, it's this, I can't really explain it. It's a thing, you hold one end, somebody holds the other, you pull it, it explodes. And out comes a little gift and a crown. And a saying, and every English person, trust me, every English person today will be wearing a crown for their Christmas meal. And um, it, it's all, you know, to do with the kings. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. I've got a short message for you about the kings. They were the very first people recorded in the Bible to bring gifts to Jesus. Others may have, we don't know. And uh, it's a really interesting story. It's found in Matthew chapter 2, just 12 verses. So I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It says, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. Now, you hear three kings. We just sang about three kings. You hear sometimes called the wise men. You hear the word magi, which comes from the Greek word. Really simple. The the, the Greek word meant uh, wise guys who knew a lot of stuff. That's who they were. We don't know where they got their stuff where they got their information. There's nothing in the Old Testament, in all the prophecies about Jesus, that talks about a star that's going to come up when Jesus is born. So what writings they had, what information they had, I mean, God is very mysterious. We have a set of information in the Bible, but that doesn't mean that's all of the information. God reveals himself in so many ways. But these people, we don't know that there was three of them. We just know that Wise men, magi, kings, these royal people or, or wealthy people from the east come to visit Jesus. And what do they come to visit? They came to worship him. That's what it's for. It, there was something they knew that this was more than just a new king. Says the king, you don't go to worship a king. You may come and bring gifts to a king and pay homage to him, but you don't come to worship a king. I know what it's like to have a new king. Sandra and I watch the the royal speech. We call it the Queen's Speech every Christmas Day. The Queen did a speech, and today it's going to be the King's Speech. So that'll be kind of interesting to see. And I loved what the Queen, she, she was a person of faith, and she always... God was a big part of her speech. So I'm looking forward to that. But these men, they came to worship. It says, King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? This is, there's just something in this. It just, ugh. He uses the word Messiah. He knows who this is. But there's that, where's this... Where's this dude supposed to be born? You know, there's a, there's a disrespect in there. So he calls his wise men together, his smart guys. And they say, in Bethlehem and Judea, 
for this is what the prophet wrote. Now, they have information. They have the same information that we have. And this is a prophecy from the Old Testament. It says, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah, for a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd from my people Israel. Bethlehem. That's like, imagine Dallas is the capital of the United States. It is, really. But officially, the capital. It would be like Jesus being born in the colony. You know, you've got the palace down there. You've got all the royal, everything is down in Dallas. And, and Jesus is born in the colony. It, it doesn't work. Jerusalem is only uh, about five miles. It's really a suburb. Bethlehem is a suburb of, of, of Jerusalem. So from here to Stonebriar Mall is sort of the distance we're talking about. It says, Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. Then he told them, Go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child, and when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. Liar, liar, pants on fire. He knew that these wise men had come to worship the new king. Herod wasn't about worshiping. Herod was a nut job. He had a bunch of his family murdered because they were threats to his kingdom, his throne. He was all about the power and the position. And he didn't care. Even if God sent someone to be the king of the Jews, he didn't care. Get, get rid of him. I'm the king of the Jews. No one's taking my spot. After this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. Went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. I love this whole image of this star. First off, you know, in all the images we've got, it's at night. People didn't travel at night. It was too dangerous to travel at night. So I'm thinking this is a star bright enough. They're seeing it in the daytime. They're following this star in the day. Now, I've heard all kinds of scientists, you know, this planet and this planet lines up and everything. That doesn't work. And the reason that doesn't work, have you ever noticed when you're driving on the highway and the sun is beside you, it stays beside you. If you looked out the window, it's over that house. You go 100 miles down the road, now it's over that house. It's relative. It's not leading you to a place. It kind of follows you. This star was specific. It was leading them to a specific place. And they were filled with joy when they saw it again. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary. And they bowed down and worshipped him. Now note, it's not the manger. It's a house now. So Jesus wasn't still in the manger. We don't know when this took place. Some people say maybe two years after his birth. I don't know about that. But it... It's long enough, I would imagine that Mary and Joseph, they go to Bethlehem because that's the city of, of, of Joseph's family. Place is filled. He's probably got all kinds of relatives there, but they can't find a place to stay. They stay in the manger. Once the census is done, everybody's leaving town. Mary's just had the baby. They're not leaving town. Now there's probably room. They may be staying with a relative. Who knows? But they're in a house. Now, I think about these, these kings, these magi. How weird would it be, you come to Dallas, you're looking for the king, 
You go to the palace. He's not in the palace. Somebody says, it's in the colony. You head out to the colony. There's one of those Fox and Jacob's homes. This is where Jesus is. He's in the Fox and Jacob's home. You know, it's like, no, this doesn't fit right. This is not right. This is not how it's supposed to be. But that's exactly how it was. How it was. So they entered the house, saw the child with his mother, Mary. They bowed down and they worshipped him. They had enough miraculous signs, they had enough information, that even though this didn't fit, they knew this is the right place, this is the right time, this is the right child. This is the Messiah, this is Jesus, this is the Lord. In a fox in Jacob's home in the colony, Texas. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. We just sang about them. Now, if you ever get an invite to go visit the king or any royal member, it is absolute protocol that you take a gift. Nobody goes to visit royalty without taking a gift. It's just not done. So just just in case you get an invite, I've got a gift ready, waiting for the call. Nobody's called yet, but there you go. But these are really interesting gifts to bring the newborn Messiah. And and a lot of theologians, they've looked at these gifts. We just sang about these gifts. The the gold was presented to, to this infant king as a token of his royalty. He is the king of the Jews. The frankincense was a token of his divinity. I don't know if you've ever been in a Catholic church or a... um, an Orthodox church or a high Anglican church, and they, they have what they call censers, and they fill them with frankincense, and they wave them around. It stinks. <laughs> the whole place is filled with the aroma of this incense. I don't know where that, that came from. It probably comes from the Old Testament, you know. But, so that the frankincense was, this is God. We've come to worship God. And the myrrh was a a, a resin that you would get out of trees. It was an aromatic resin. It was kind of bitter and very often used in medicine as a salve. So it denotes the suffering that Jesus is going to go through later. And the words in the song were kind of dark, weren't they, about the myrrh. It's kind of like pain and suffering. But that's that's what they are. Now, for Mary and Joseph, you've got to think about this. You've traveled all the way to Bethlehem. Place is crowded. You find a stable. She gives birth to Jesus. Everybody leaves. They find a house. They're in a house. And then these dignitaries from the east show up with gold. Can you imagine Mary and Joseph? Bring it in! (laughs) Bring it on in! We've got frankincense, which was of high value. Myrrh, which was of high value. And it's like... I like this kid. You know, this is good. And they, they're going to need that money because right after this, we know they have to go to Egypt to live for a while and then come back. But it was all of high value. I don't know if they un- understood the significance and the symbolism of the gifts, but they were of high value. When you buy a gift, you know, Christmas today, birthdays, when you give a gift, you, you want to give something of high value, don't you? Not necessarily 
cash value, but something that the person that you're giving to will think, wow, that's awesome. Uh, you know, when you're a kid, I don't know if you, yeah, we're all the same. I mean, four o'clock in the morning, Christmas morning, I'm up. I'm looking for gifts. I'm ready. But as you get older and you, you get more mature, it's more about the giving. It really is. I mean, we do our gift giving later on. I'm just excited because I hope the stuff that I bought Sandra will be pleasing to her, will be of high value. And I think it will. Okay. <laughs> but we want to give a, a gift of value. We want to give a gift of sentimental or emotional value. Gifts that mean something to the recipient. So the question this morning, what would you give Jesus? Today is Jesus' birthday. What would you give or bring to Jesus on his birthday? You know, it's, it's, it's kind of funny. I was thinking about some things this morning. I thought about my dad. He's with Jesus. I thought about my son. He's with Jesus. So many people that we know, you may have loved ones who are with Jesus. And I'm wondering, you know, are they up there? Are they having a birthday party? I wonder if they have to bring a gift. I imagine my son James going, what do I get for Jesus? But they're celebrating. So here's, that's the question of the day. It's Jesus' birthday. You're invited to the party. What gift would you bring him? I asked some of our children, we recorded a, a video of what would you bring Jesus on his birthday. So let's just watch the video here for a moment. Let's do it. A clock to tell the time. Because I really want to, to help Jesus tell the time. I'll give him cake because everyone deserves cake on the birthday. I will give him hope and love because I love this church and I love God. I'll give him a pet dog just so he could play with him or her. I, I would give him a heart pillow that, that you could open up and find another heart pillow but a bit smaller and pick it up if you if you want it. Be because I want to show his love. A blanket. So he can fall asleep. Okay, I would give him my special teddy bear that I have because he's more important than uh, that thing. His wife. Love. Love him. Love in his life. Bully. Her love. Love. His life because if his mother wasn't real, he wouldn't have a life. I thought their answers were very interesting. And they weren't in the room together, by the way. 
So they didn't know that somebody else had said his life. And I, I was so surprised that that pretty much was universal with the kids. His mother gave him life. This is, this is a value, life and, and love. That's kind of neat. Um, what's the best way? You know, I hate the Christmas shopping. I did my shopping early yesterday. I got out <laughs> at 10. And... Uh, which is the truth. <laughs> Never know what to get, you know? It's hard to shop, isn't it? So, what's the best way to know what to give someone at Christmas or on their birthday? Know them? Ask them. Yeah, ask them. What do you want for Christmas? What do you want for your birthday? I mean, ask them what they want. So the question is, what does the Lord want? What does the Lord want on his birthday? Well, you know, God put this account of these three wise men in there and these gifts for a purpose, for a reason, for us to read it and to learn something from it. So I was kind of mining through it and thought, okay, what can we learn from them about what Jesus wants for his birthday? Well, the first gift they gave him was to believe. One of the kids said belief. They believed. We don't know where they got the information. It's not in the Bible. We, there's something about this star. But these men chose to believe. John six twenty nine. Jesus says, This is the only work God wants from you. Believe in the one he has sent. This is the only work that God wants from you. Now, belief is kind of a weird thing because everything that we believe, we believe out of choice. We choose whether to believe it or not. We, we look at the evidence. We weigh up the evidence and we make a choice. And it's amazing how two people can look at the same evidence, the same information, have the same experiences, and believe two completely opposite things. But belief is a choice. And, and sometimes, <laughs> I know in, in my life, sometimes all the evidence is there. But I don't necessarily want to believe so I'm going to ignore the evidence, or I'm going to look at it differently, because it, it, maybe it doesn't fit my paradigm. You know, maybe it's not the culture that I come from. Well, we don't believe that. We believe this. We all believe this. Why do we all believe this? Because that's what we believe. Sometimes we, we don't want to believe because it's inconvenient. You know, you, you, you believe something, and... and now you have to make a change or you have to respond to what you believe. So I'm just going to put that on the shelf and just pretend that's, that's not what it is. But belief is a choice. And they chose to believe. To believe. Now most people on their birthday or Christmas day, they don't want just one gift, right? What do you want for your birthday? What do you want for Christmas? I want this and this and this and this and this. So the second thing that they, they gave to Jesus as they sought him. So first off, they believe. We believe this, this, is the, this is the king of the Jews. Now we're going to go find him. And Jeremiah 29, 13 says, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. Jesus wants us to seek him. He doesn't want us to just believe in him. He wants us to seek him. So first they believe. Second, they up, and they got on this journey to find Jesus. I remember when I first came to belief, because I didn't have a belief. 
But when I very first came to believe that when God did something in me and, and all of a sudden it's like there's a God, my very first instinct was, I better find out about this God. I started a search. I started to seek him. Who is he? Where'd the Bible come from? How do we know this is real? And I did a lot of, a lot of research. I wanted to know. And, and what's neat with these guys is even when they went wrong, Sometimes we do this. We're seeking Jesus, but we have a preconceived idea in our mind of, of who Jesus is or what Jesus is. Well, they go to the palace. Jesus isn't at the palace. And when they discover Jesus is not at the palace, the star reappears to them and takes them to where Jesus is. And sometimes we have to do a course correction. I'm looking for my kind of Jesus, but I need the real Jesus. I need a course correction. Third, they worshipped him. They believed in him. They sought him. They worshipped him. Verse 2 says, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. And then down in verse 11, it says, They entered the house and saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. They believed. They sought him. They worshipped him. What does it mean to worship somebody? What does it mean to worship somebody? What does it mean? You believe in them a lot. You pray for them. You know that they're real. Yeah. You, 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 you put high value on them. Good answer. Right? You put high value. It's, it's like, wow. I would say I worship my wife, but I don't. But some people talk about worshipping a person. We're not supposed to worship a person. But it's like, wow, that all of your attention is on this thing. Some people worship video games. Some people worship money. Some people worship status. There's all kinds of things that we worship. They came to worship Jesus. And the fourth one, the last one, they gave him gifts. It says they opened up their treasure chests to me, that's pretty awesome. They're not just bringing a little pile of gold. They opened up their treasure chests. Look what we got in here. Get a shovel. I mean, whoa. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. To honor him. And to demonstrate that nothing was more important to him than he was. I liked Darby's answer. You know, what would you give him? I would give him my special teddy bear. I was kind of taken aback by that when she said that. I would give him my special teddy bear. Well, why would you give him your special teddy bear? I love her words. Because he is more important than it is. And this is a way of demonstrating to Jesus that he is more important than it is. I thought that was wonderful. You know, when we bring our gifts to Jesus, we bring our gifts of service, right? We serve him by serving one another. We bring him our treasures, our tithes, our offerings. These are good things. We bring him our abilities, the gifts that he's given us to, to, to do things, to serve him. When we do those things, we, we are demonstrating to him how important he is in our lives. That's worship. We believe you, Jesus. We worship you. We seek you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. We honor you with our gifts, Jesus. 
But here's the bottom line, and I want to close with this. And we've got to take this in balance, okay? Jesus isn't interested in all of your stuff. He's not really interested in your abilities. He doesn't need any one of us. He doesn't need me. He could speak through a donkey. It, you would get a lot more people in here if there was a talking donkey. <laughs> We'd be filling this place eight times a day. I mean, every day. Come here to talking donkey. He, do, he, do, he doesn't need any of that stuff. He calls us to do those things. But what he is interested in, the one thing that Jesus wants of each and every one of us, is our heart. He wants who we are. All of us. The greatest gift that you can give Jesus is you. He created you to know him, to be with him, to commune with him. Psalm 51, 16 and 17, David is writing. He says, you do not desire a sacrifice or I would offer one. You do not want a burnt offering. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart. Oh God, I want your heart. That's what Jesus wants this Christmas time. When we come humbly before the Lord, and we truly believe in Him, and we truly seek Him, and we truly worship Him, and we offer up ourselves to Him, all those gifts and everything else will flow out of that relationship. That's what he wants. You are the gift that Jesus wants this Christmas. Happy birthday, Jesus. We're going to conclude our service by singing happy birthday to Jesus. A little bit different. You want to stand up? Unfortunately, you have me leading it. <laughs> and then we're going to pray and then we're going to take up our offering. Because you can't forget the offering, even on Christmas Day. Are you ready? One, two, three. Happy to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Jesus. Happy birthday to you. Yay, Jesus! Merry Christmas, everyone. I think what we'll do with the offering, Barry... It's, uh, why don't we just have a couple guys stand at the door? And as we head out, if you want to give your offering that way. We have birthday cake in the foyer for Jesus. We have birthday cake here. I think the coffee is finally ready. Sorry. <laughs> so take a few minutes to go out there, have a piece of cake, and say Merry Christmas to everybody. Happy birthday, Jesus. And commune for a little bit, and then head on home to your birthdays. Let's pray. To your birthdays, to your Christmas. Heavenly Father, again, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for a day that we can celebrate the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. What a wonderful, wonderful day. Father, I pray as we leave here that you would put a smile on our faces, that joy in our heart as we celebrate Jesus, and we celebrate all that Jesus means. And Father, the wonderful thing for me is that I know because of this day, all of those people that I miss, that have passed on from here, I get to see them again because of this day. And they're celebrating with Jesus as we celebrate with Jesus. Thank you, Father. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Thank you all for coming. Merry Christmas.